The Naked DJs Podcast. Are they really naked? We know they expose themselves every day just so they can bring you the best of music. They like to stick it out there for everyone to hear. You can hear their podcast on Anchor.fm, YouTube, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. And today, we're going to be talking about relationship building. As you all know, relationships are so important in our society. I'm joined by author, business owner, and relationship expert, Scott Hanley. Scott is a single father. And he believes that relationships don't just happen, they are built. So we're going to be talking to him about his beliefs. He is well known all across the Northwest and he's been on several TV shows talking about relationship building. Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome, Curtis. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself. I took probably the normal route a young person does in the 70s. I had a lot of fun with that uh, sort of college culture uh, when I got out of that, and I actually had to find something to do. What I wanted to do wasn't available, so I started remodeling for a friend of mine and ended up learning how to do that business pretty quickly. That led to the opportunity to remodel a restaurant, which led to being a part owner of that restaurant. That restaurant became a national success, which sort of pushed me further deeper into the restaurant business. Then I had a couple boys and uh, the restaurant business wasn't working out too well for me in the sense that I felt that I should be more at home. You know what I mean, Curtis? That, that's a whole different business, that restaurant business. And it wasn't working in any kind of rhythm with trying to be a parent. So I went back to the construction business so I could operate under a different schedule and it was really wonderful. And I think I've done that probably more, much more than anything else. Inter intermixed with that was I know, maybe another restaurant. I was a TV host for a while. Uh, I created and patented an invention. My life on the outside world was pretty successful, and that led to a pretty happy internal sense of myself. Uh, I think that the, the thing that was the most important experience about all of those was raising my boys. So tell us about, you know, kind of how you raise your boys and, and the three main rules that you use when you raise your boys. <laughs> those rules, those are very good. I guessed at those at first, Curtis. I didn't really know what to do as a as a parent. And I happened to become a single parent pretty quickly, amicably and really nicely so. But I was there by myself with these two boys, and I'm saying, what can I do? How should I do this? And I said, I have to build this relationship. I actually thought that and I really said that, Curtis, to myself. 
And so I said, I'm going to learn how to build it. I can build anything else. Why not build a relationship? So I realized I needed to put stuff in the relationship that I could keep, that I that would actually hold something together. And I'm talking primarily some principles or values that I really felt I liked and and paid attention to more than others. Some of mine were like trust, uh, perspective, tolerance, of course, love, patience. And so I picked out eight, just eight that I thought would be good in any relationship, much less the relationship with my boys. And I started reinforcing those words, the meanings of those words in my actions. Now that's how it's how it started, and that was basically. I didn't read a book on that. I didn't understand why I really was doing that, but it really felt good to me, and that was the basis upon which this book is written, and it's also the basis upon which I have built my relationship with the boys. The rules that I actually put in play, because I was a single father and I was busy trying to make a living and working a lot of hours in the hard hours in the day, I didn't have a lot of extra time to deal with trying to police my boys. They were strong, young, very active boys and I was happy about that. So I said, I need to make my life at home simple and I'm not gonna overburden it with a, a lot of rules that may be really important, but weren't important enough for me to devote a whole lot of time to them. So I picked three. This may sound a little different than most parents did, Curtis, but I, I didn't feel I had too many options because I had a lot to do. First rule of mine was you cannot hurt each other. Two strong, crazy boys. You can't hurt each other. Second rule is you cannot hurt somebody else physically or emotionally. The emotional part was really important to me because these boys were smart and they had some sense of their own little force as it was growing up. And the third and fourth thing were they had to treat the, the, the stuff in their life, the other people's homes, our home, uh, with some care and not wreck it, not break it, unless it was an accident. In conjunction with that, they had to get grades that were commensurate with their intellectual ability and their uh, capacity to learn, which is pretty easy to ascertain when they're young. So the reason for those rules, Curtis, was so that I could relax and let the other stuff kind of go and give them the kind of freedom they wanted uh, and the, the time to do stuff they wanted if they did these three things. And I thought, my God, if they're, being, if they're not hurting each other, if they're not hurting anybody else, they're getting good grades and they're paying attention to what's in front of them, then you know, should I ask for more? So I didn't really think I should. And I knew if I asked for more, I was going to end up policing all that. And I didn't want to do it. Well, let's talk about, you talk about the building your bridge motto in, in order to build relationships. Tell us about that and how you came up with that. <laughs> That's funny, because I always wanted to build a bridge. And I never got a chance to do it really in the kind of construction that I did, because it was mostly remodeling and sort of structural. But I thought building a relationship with these boys is really going to be like building a bridge, putting stuff in place, bolting it together, 
making sure it stays and then, you know, using it a little bit and practicing with it and making it work. And to, to me, I thought the daily interactions that I had and the issues that came up and the challenges and the, you know, the emotional highs and lows were all parts of building this relationship. And I just held this image of a bridge in my head. The cover of my book has a bridge on it because in reality, we can't get anywhere else that has any real depth to it or any real challenge without some kind of bridge. And I, that works in every relationship that I know of, every relationship. You also have a saying that a one-way bridge in the early years builds a two-way bridge in the later years. Tell us about what that means. You've got this book down, Curtis. That is exactly right. Uh, fortunately, something in me knew in the beginning that it was me who had to build this bridge and that they were too young to have any real part in it. Maybe even too young for some time. Uh, to actually appreciate that I was doing it. So I didn't care about that. But I did realize that this was going to be a one-way road for some time to come. And I didn't know when that was going to be, but I, I assumed it would be sometime in their late teenage years where they would start to, to, to present to me some of those values and some of those principles that I presented to them so many times over so many years. And it happened. Somewhere in their late teens, they started to really understand some of these things that I spent so much time trying to build with them. It's kind of cool. Talk about the challenges that parents and children face on a daily basis, you know, with work, school, especially during COVID-19. Oh, my God, COVID, you know, that changed everything for so many people. and it didn't affect me too much because my boys are pretty old now, but had I been, had my boys with COVID, I don't know if I'd have been able to have the opportunity to do what I did and to build the kind of relationship that I have, but I would have certainly tried in the same way. I, I, the challenges were daily because, you know, these are two boys who are trying to find out who they are. They don't even know they're trying to find out who they are. So they test different things. And, you know, I'm sure they were maybe testing me often, but it didn't ever seem like a test. If they were ever challenged me, it was because maybe I wasn't quite in rhythm with them. Uh, often they were not in rhythm with me, but I had to absorb that. That imbalance of the rhythm is really the parent's responsibility. And I know we all want a rhythmic experience with our children and we can get it, but it's just not going to happen all the time. So I think all these events that happened to us with our kids, we could probably call them challenges, but the real challenge is for the parent to find the rhythm of the child and, and play that and, and add the things that we think are valuable in that rhythm. We approached our children with our rhythm. Eventually we won't really be able to play with them very much energetically. And so, I looked at all these challenges that happened and they were very simple from, you know, supermarket meltdowns to, um, you know, refusal to do something. And I handled every one of those with as much sense of freshness and 
I think the underlying element that I just refused not to let go of, Curtis, and this is important, it's spread out all over this book, is respect. I really wanted to find ways to respect these boys in their processes, not necessarily in what they were doing in their behavior at certain times, but in their sense of being who they wanted to be. I hope that's not too complicated or too, you know, off the charts out there. Well, tell us about building a bridge with your kids, even if you do have a, a two-parent home or even your own parents might disagree with the way that you're building a bridge. I was on a podcast the other day uh, that was kind of focused on grandparents. And during that podcast, I realized, you know, we probably should treat our grandparents, our, our parents, uh, much like we're trying to treat our children with some kind of grace, dignity, and respect, no matter how it unfolded when we were, we were young. There's a different paradigm out there. And building a relationship now with our children, I think it might be easier. I know a lot of people are saying, my, how would you do it today? My belief and my experience was adding genuine care, genuine regard for who these people are, really was sort of the, the energetic glue in this whole thing. And I looked around at that podcast the other day. I said, we should be treating our parents kind of like we're treating our kids, which is with care and dignity and, and real genuine love for them. I know, I know it's hard and there's a lot of issues that come between that. And it's also hard for a lot of grandparents to you know, keep their distance from the way their own child wants to raise their kid. Those are all issues. But, you know, keeping the, the kids out of it and keeping the, the adults in it is some, but one of the parties has to do that. But I, I agree, it's, it's challenging. Well, give some advice for the parents that have tweens. What, what are some ways that they can stay connected to their kids in the tween years? Oh, wow. Uh, I think it probably is not too complicated. At that point, they are figuring stuff out and just being honest with them, Curtis, that's hard to do. I mean, it sounds simple. It is hard to do. It's hard for us maybe to be honest in a ordinary relationship. And that, that doesn't mean, you know, harsh, or it doesn't mean necessarily direct, but emotionally honest. Kids get at, at any age because we're their parents. And we can, they can be 40 and we can be 60. If we are emotionally honest, we are still connected. So for the parents that have teenagers, how can they stay connected to their teenager? And if they have lost the connection, give some advice, advice on how they can reconnect. Another great question, Curtis. And I wrote this book primarily to help any parent uh, build a, a good enough relationship with their child when they can. This sweet spot for our kids is somewhere between their age of eight and their age of 14. They are receptive, they're listening to us, they're paying attention, we're all they got for the most part. That's our chance. That's not very long, what's that, six years? 
that's about the period on which I wrote this book. After that, and they start to become young teens and then teens. Um, if we don't have something that we have had, had built before that and we're trying to build it then, it's gonna be harder. But the absolutely same principles hold. It's, let's just say we've had a, we're just starting to have and want a better relationship with our teenager and he or she is 17. We need to remember who we were, what we were feeling when we were 17. That is really critical. And perspective is one of the supports that I call out in this book with regard to my bridge. Perspective. It's a little harder to have perspective of a 10 year old when we're 40, but we still have to try. But it is pretty easy for us to remember what we were feeling, what we were thinking, how we were reacting to things emotionally when we were 17 or 18. And we have to go back there. We have to make the effort to really feel what these kids might be feeling right now. And then, you know, speak to them, do something with them that kind of reflects that. And that's what I kind of refer to as emotional honesty. But that's a lot of work. And I, there's not a whole lot of parents. They are tired by now. 17 years of this. They really want just those kids to do what they're supposed to do, get them their life together and that. But it doesn't quite end there. I have... I had a beautiful teenage experience. I mean, just wonderful because they were old enough and big enough. I could play with them. I could do stuff with them. I could have my own life. They started to have their own life. And that was all based, Curtis, on the six or seven years that I committed pretty heavily to just trying to build a relationship with them. Well, tell us how your relationship advice can apply to adults, you know, older people too. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that, Curtis, because as I was writing this book, I, 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 started, I started participating in my adult relationships like I was with my kids. I started looking for reasons to respect my friends. Look, I started looking actively for opportunities to represent that I cared. I started looking for reasons to help them do something. Uh, fortunately, I'm skilled at a lot of things, so I could help a lot of people. And uh, I collected a lot of good friends. And I always felt that if you have a good friend, and that friend is meaningful, and there's a meaningful part of the relationship that you want to have, then the effort to create and in, infuse it with qualities such as care and kindness and willingness to, to help uh, will build it. And it'll build it in a really nice way. And I do think that adult relationships could be a lot more nourishing and can be rich, enriching and can give, up, give us almost the same kind of emotional feedback we can get from our children. Well, I know you've been kind of talking about your book all throughout the show, but just kind of tell us what the book is all about and how people can pick it up. Amazon has it. Ingram is the wholesaler. It's uh, published by a, a company called Floating Heart Press. The book came about because I wanted to leave some kind of understanding to my boys of what it was like for me being their father, being their dad, and what I went through and what I was feeling. And I'll just try to make this as brief as possible, Curtis. But I started out by tape recording into my truck as I was going to work in Cambridge. So what I had learned about the weekend before or the evening before or, or my apprehensions about 
something that was coming up and then reflecting it in the in sense of what I was learning. All this was in my mind just to leave some kind of audio recording for the boys to listen to when they got older and they had their own kids. Well, it turned out that after literally 13 of those 90-minute cassettes, both sides, I had once transcribed, I had about 500 pages single-spaced, and that was ridiculous. It was a mess. I said, they'll never understand this. It's just gibberish. They're not going to take the time to do it. So I started to organize it. When I started to organize it, and I asked for some help for, from, for some, from some friends of mine, they said, you know, you've got a kind of a good book here. You, you, would you think about doing that? I said, no, I, it's not my intent. I want to just leave something for the boys that they can understand what was happening to me. And it just started, it evolved organically. And eventually, about six years later, I had a book. It was wonderful to write, though. What was the hardest thing, Curtis, I'll say, I'll just interject this, was kind of what I referred to earlier when I said, go back to when you were nine or 10. I, I had to go back when I wrote this book about five or seven years before and remember what I was feeling emotionally when they had the supermarket breakdown, meltdown, and when they left the roller skates out overnight and they got all wet. And I, you know, I had little money and that was a bummer. But I had to remember what I was really feeling then in order to write about it. And that was a unbelievably um, great experience that happened to me was reliving my life as a father and as a dad. Do you have any current upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about? <laughs> well, I, I think I want to write a book about their teenage years because I have so much about that, Curtis. I, they all... They had dozens of friends who sort of hung out here and lived here. And I had many, many conversations with their, their friends and their friends' parents. And I, I, I'm thinking of the title, Treading Water, and only because when they start really expressing themselves at 13, 14, or 15, you kind of got to get out of the way. But that doesn't mean you get out of the pool, right? Because you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to abandon them. You do, don't want to leave them. So I started backing up and getting away, but keep my head above water and just sort of treading water, ready to go in if they needed it, right? But And so I also learned a lot about that by just treading water and watching them grow and experience things. But I never allowed myself to get separated from them. Throw out that contact information, any website, social media links, so people can stay connected with you that way when you do write that other book. Yes, dadconnection.com, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, and that's, that's the strongest of the three. Okay, so go ahead and give us some Final thoughts to close it out. And dad connection is spelled D-A. <laughs> Go ahead and do that spelling so people get it right. D-A-D -D okay. connection, one word, gotcha. dot com. Okay. Well, go ahead and give us some final thoughts to close it out. I stumbled around in the beginning, Curtis, uh, with the name of this book. And I came up with the dad connection because ultimately it is a little different. Being a dad is a little bit different. It's not so much different from any parent experience, but it's a little bit, especially if you have boys, right? 
And since I was had sole custody of them, I realized early on the responsibility of being a dad was going to be mine and I had to own it. And so that's what compelled me and incentivized me to really think about how to do it well. I urge every parent who has young children, you know, uh, not to read this book, but read anything, get, get some more perspective and, and feel how you feel when you were 10, as much as you can when you're dealing with your children. Uh, the real, real force that's in this book is not so much the practices and the things that I did, but my commitment to, to stay connected to them and my commitment to respect them and hold them in regard, no matter what happened. And that force really allowed me to enjoy the entire experience. Ladies and gentlemen, dadconnection.com. Be sure to check out the book and follow, rate, review. Share this episode to as many people as possible. A lot of parents could use this and use this advice to help connect and adults can use it as well. Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. Scott Hanley, I'd like to thank you so much for joining me tonight. You're welcome, Curtis. A pleasure. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. Dream.